0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or you can download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 27 called Isaiah's Apocalypse. Okay, go back to Isaiah. (laughs)
1: You, do you see the chaos intensifying? Do you see at the end when Satan knows that his time is short, he is going to throw everything in the kitchen sink at the world, but not just at the world. Who is his wrath directed toward? Those who trust in Jesus Christ. This will be the persecution that happens because those who fall in line with Antichrist, remember, the whole world will worship him as though he were some Messiah figure. The only people who will be refusing to worship will be Christians who are born again and who understand what's happening. They will refuse. And so this is the radical scenario. But I want you to notice the good news in Isaiah 27, verse 1, what does it say? It says that the Lord will kill the dragon. When will that happen? It will happen, well, he will be bound for 1,000 years at the end of Daniel's 70th week, and then he will be thrown into the lake of fire at the end of those 1,000 years, right? And so the Lord will slay the dragon. He has no, when was he slain, actually, when you think about it? Jesus Christ made an open spectacle of principalities and powers, triumphing over them through the cross. That's Colossians 2, 14 and 15. If you look at Hebrews 2, 14 and 15, it says that basically Satan no longer has a hold on us to fear death because Jesus Christ abolished death and defeated Satan and pulled his fangs out at the cross and through the resurrection. And Romans 16, 20 says that the head of the serpent will be crushed under our feet. It's going to happen. We're gonna be able to kick a little sand on top of Satan's head. So don't be afraid. I know there's a lot of people who are fearful and certainly we're dealing with a being that has uh, a lot of power. But at the same time, you don't need to be fearful because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. This is Satan's future. God has crushed him at the cross, triumphed over him in a way that shocked the, the world and I think everybody else. But that's what God does. He turns things that look so tragic into victories and he will kill the dragon. And in that day, the song will turn as we've been studying in Isaiah. And I think what you're going to see here now is leading into the millennium. And I I noted the order for you of events so that you could follow the flow. So the dragon is killed, and um, I think you could even infer bound here, awaiting his final judgment. In that day, verse two, a vineyard of wine sing of it. All of a sudden now, the camera turns away from the slaying of the dragon to this beautiful vineyard. Why a vineyard? Well, the vineyard is a picture of Israel. And that's really what this has been about. This has been about the redemption of Israel. And when Chris taught in Isaiah 5, he, he showed us the picture of the vineyard. And from this point on, what you want to do in your Bible is stick a finger in Isaiah chapter 5. I'm going to, we're going to go back and forth for a second. I'm going to show you the difference between the vineyard of Isaiah 5 and the vineyard of Isaiah 27. Notice you're going to have a second in that day. This is uh, back in chapter 27, in that day, so now the second in that day, a vineyard of wine, sing of it. Or if you have a New King James or a King James, I think it says red wine. This is a vineyard that is producing. This is a vineyard that is prosperous. And the, here's the contrast. Go back to Isaiah 5, look at verse 1. Let me sing now for my well-beloved, well beloved. this is the first song of the vineyard. A song of my beloved concerning his vineyard, God's vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard, Isaiah five one on a fertile hill. He dug it all around. He removed its stones and planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in the middle of it. This they would often do to protect vineyards because they were worth money to the vineyard owner. They would put walls and protection around it and keep an eye on it. He built a tower in the middle of it, hewed out a wine vat in it, And then he expected it to produce good grapes, but it produced what? Only worthless ones. So now what you have is a contrast between the Isaiah 5 vineyard and the Isaiah 27 vineyard. The Isaiah 5 vineyard was worthless grapes. It did not produce. It is, if you will, current day Israel. Now, there are, there's a remnant of believers who are Jews, but for the most part, the nation has not embraced Jesus Christ as Messiah. But when these events unfold, and those of you who have studied last day's events, you know what happens is that the eyes of Israel open at the end of Daniel's 70th week, and they look upon him whom they pierced, and they mourn as one mourns for an only son they realize that Jesus is actually their Messiah and they turn to him. And if you wanna just write down in your notes, Romans 11, 25 through 27, it says, then all Israel will be saved. They will turn to the Messiah. That's Romans 11, 25 through 27. All Israel, that is the remnant who's still around, who turns to the Lord at this point. The vineyard will then become fruitful. It will produce the grapes that it was sup- supposed to produce because now it will be connected to the vine. And that is Jesus Christ, John 15. Because if you are not connected to him, you are a dry branch that's going to be burned. Burned. You can have all the uh, religious maneuverings that you want. You can look good. You can dress right. But unless you have the life of the vine in you, you can do nothing. And Israel, without the Messiah's life dwelling in them and giving them by virtue of his merit and his sending of the Spirit, they don't have the life of God. And thus, all they can do is try to achieve righteousness, this is Romans 10, by their own good works, but Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. And Israel stumbled over the stumbling stone, Jesus, because they would not believe but now they have believed. That's the sequence of events. The vineyard has now connected itself to the vine. There's life in it. And God says, now it's producing what I intended it to produce. It's no longer a cursed tree because it's producing nothing. Now it produces the life of God. Isn't that the difference in all of humanity? Whether or not the life of God is in you, whether or not you abide in Christ or not, that is the difference. Sometimes it's hard to see. It's easier to see when you're abiding in Christ and you have his life, and then you look at someone else's life and you go, don't they get it? But you were that person not that long ago, and someone else was saying about you, don't they get it? And instead of just, you know, brushing you off, they prayed for you, I'm sure. And you came into the kingdom. And Paul says, hey, you who are grafted in, don't get all, you know, puffed up. Don't think that you're all that because you're a Gentile and you're in Christ and the Jews are not believing yet. Don't do that. Don't get prideful. Remember, he cut off the natural branches and if he did that, he can also cut you off. Pride is not part of this equation. And so this vineyard, go back to chapter 27 and just hold your place in chapter 5. This vineyard, all of a sudden, the presence of the Lord is there. It makes me think of Eden. I, the Lord... 27.3, 27-3 Am its keeper, speaking of the vineyard. And IV says, "I watch over it. I water it. Look at this language, brothers and sisters, every moment. Have you ever had a project? Uh, one time I planted sod, and I watered it every moment. And it still didn't grow. I don't know what it is. Something about corona, you know? And then some evil demonic rabbits. Come out of my bushes and eat my grass. I've been told I should shoot them, but I don't think that's very humane, and I don't have any weapons anyway. So, <laughs> I, the Lord, am its keeper. I water it every moment. Think of the water of the Spirit, the life of God flowing in um, like torrents of living water. Look at what God says. Lest anyone damage it, I water it continually, NIV, I guard it day and night so that no one may harm it. I guard this vineyard night and day. I've been let in, right? I'm the one that oversees the vineyard now. By the way, the vineyard for Christians is us. This is what he does for our lives. Now look at it and make it personal. The Lord is your keeper. He waters you every moment. He doesn't want anybody, anything to damage you. He guards you night and day. That's your God. That's the relationship that you're in. That's what he says. I will never leave you or forsake you, no matter how awful we feel about ourselves, no matter how much you know we wonder why God loves us, especially at certain times of the day or whatever it might be. He does. He says, I have no wrath. Look at verse four. Oh, um, I'm, I'm giving you the contrast, so go back to Isaiah 5, and I want you to see verse 6 for a second. I will lay it waste. It will not be pruned or hoed. This is Isaiah 5, 6. But briars and thorns will come up. I will also charge the clouds to rain. What? No rain on it. See, God's not watering the Isaiah 5 vineyard it doesn't belong to him. It's not connected to the vine, but now he waters it all the time, right? He's let, he lets the rain clouds burst open. Now go back to Isaiah 27. He watches over it, and here's what he says now of this current vineyard in Isaiah 27, thinking of uh, Israel opening their eyes last days. They, they see the Messiah. They've trusted in him. God says, verse four, I have no wrath.
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. You're invited to our next apologetics event called Dare to Defend. This is something
1: that you're going to want to go to because it's going to bolster your faith and encourage you and give you reasons and answers for the hope that you have. Join some of today's top apologists who will provide real answers to skeptics' toughest questions and equip you with the tools necessary to confront the moral confusion of today's culture. J.P. Moreland talking about miracles. Why do I have to have an answer to this question? I at least know there's a God. Sean McDowell dealing with deconstruction. When I was on the road, but I met a man. And he goes i'm his last friend who didn't bail on him I thought, man, what does it matter with us?
0: John and Claudia Komikoff. If they don't have that foundation and they don't know about God's promises and what we know is true, not by what we're feeling, but by facts, historical, archaeological facts, what we know to be true, then their feelings take over.
1: Lenny Esposito, who will deal with the power of the archaeological record.
0: You know, you're doing a construction project rome they were trying to build a subway, And they had to keep stopping because they keep finding stuff.
1: Hey, if you're looking to get further equipped, and we all should be, this is the conference to go to. Dare to Defend begins Friday evening on March 25th at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. Get your tickets now and make sure you have plans to join us. Learn more about Dare to Defend and get your tickets when you visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's
0: 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Now go back to Isaiah
1: 27. He watches over it, and here's what he says now of this current vineyard in Isaiah 27, thinking of... Uh, Israel opening their eyes last days they, they see the Messiah they've trusted in him God says verse 4 I have no wrath or if you have an NIV it says I am not angry it's done his wrath is over it's finished He's poured it out. He's disciplined his people. But now he says to them in this new vineyard, in this new picture of his presence in the vineyard, I'm not angry. Some of you may need to hear that. I'm not mad at you. Sometimes we have this image of God that he's mad at us. Maybe all the time. And God says, I'm not mad at you. What made you think I was? Well, I... I blew it, yeah. Think of it this way. God is your father, correct? Now, confession, I get mad at my children sometimes. But, but my love supersedes all of that, you see? This is, this is a settled day. This is, everything's done. And God says, should someone give me briars and thorns in battle, then I would step on them. I would burn them completely. It's almost as if God was saying, in this new vineyard, you know how I was out of the picture and I said, no rain's coming on it and whatever happens, happens because they keep rejecting me. Now, if I just see a weed pop up in it, bam! Not only am I going to stomp on it, I'm going to burn it too. Nothing's coming into this vineyard, right? And that gives me the image of the New Jerusalem and the beauty of that city and how nothing, not even a little weed. You know how weeds are, man? Dealing with weeds is a pain. But God says, you're not gonna have to deal with weeds anymore. Praise the Lord. That's gonna be part of the future. I'm all in. Verse five. Or let him rely on my protection. Let him make peace with me. Let him make peace with me. Here's NIV. Or let them come to me for refuge. This is like an invitation. It's almost as if I see people outside the vineyard kind of peering in to this new setup. And God says in a moment, come to me for refuge. Come on in. Make peace with me. Yes, let them make peace with me. New King James says, or let them take hold of my strength, verse five, that he may make peace with me and he shall make peace with me. That's an invitation that's always going out. Make peace with me. Why do you quarrel with your maker? Come to me and you will have peace. Come to me, who, all you who labor and are heavy laden. That's what we're really saying to people when we share the good news of the gospel. Come to the Lord and be at peace with him because right now, you're at war with him. If you don't know Christ, right? You're, you're in an adversarial position whether you know it or not. Come take his terms of peace and in that, in the days to come, Jacob will take root. Jacob is what... Um, Jacob became Israel. So Jacob represents Israel will take root. Israel will blossom and sprout. They will fill the whole world with fruit. This little vineyard, by the way, smaller than California in the Middle East, is now the number three producer, maybe even higher, of exporting fruit in the world. Did you know that? If you go on a trip to Israel today, you will eat fruit that is amazing. They put out fruits and veggies like you can't believe. And part of it's because of their attention to the land, all the planting that's gone on there, the kibbutzes that exist with multiple families working the the land. And they have these fruit spreads that you wouldn't believe. And they're exporting fruit all over the world. And in 1948, uh, prior to that, before they were declared a nation, most Uh, a good portion of the land of Israel was underwater, swamped. And now the land is blossoming, by the way, in fulfillment of prophecy from Ezekiel 37, and then you can read into 38 and 39. Ezekiel 37 uh, prophesied that the land of Israel would be re-inhabited and would blossom again. And it is happening and I would imagine that in the New Jerusalem, there's going to be some fruit trees. Man, like you can't believe you ever had just a really good apple. I bought a nice shiny apple today at the store because I'm trying to be healthy. And uh, man, and you know, when you, when you get in that mode where you start eating fruit, fruit's pretty good. And then you say, why do I eat all those burritos? I could eat fruit, you know? So anyway, that's just a confession and a rebuke if you need it. Okay. Notice, Jacob will take root and then it says there's blossoming. Have you noticed in your Christian life, here's an application. The deeper your roots go, go, the more fruit you produce. The deeper your roots go, the more fruit you produce. If you are a shallow believer with shallow biblical knowledge, With a shallow walk, that's all you're going to produce. Do you know that they say of trees that what you see above ground in a tree is roughly equivalent to the roots that you don't see below the ground? There's a one-to-one correspondence between roots, the depth of roots, and the height of a tree. Now, uh, what's those things that get blown around? Those are tumbleweeds, that's right. Now, have you ever tried... I've been avoiding tumbleweeds on the side of my house. I almost did it for about a year and then finally I decided to put on some gloves and try to stick the thing in my trash can. Have you ever done that with a tumbleweed? It's got all these prickly things on it. You got ooh, ah, ah. and the other thing about tumbleweeds is they just blow around with the wind and they get stuck under cars and, and they just make a mess of things, and that's how a lot of people are. They're a pain. Because there's no depth of root. And so they just get blown around with the wind, right? They, and they're jaggedy and sharp. and You know what I'm saying? The deeper that your roots go, and every Christian has a root system that's going deeper and deeper so that you won't be blown around Ephesians 4 by every wind of doctrine Colossians 2 says, as you ha- therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up, Colossians 2, 6, and 7, and established in your faith just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. The deeper the roots go, the more fruit comes. Have you noticed that in your life? I have. And it's been a process because when you're just a little plant, right, right? You're trying to get some sun and some water, right? Not a very deep root system, but there's still fruit. And then it goes a little deeper, and then there's more fruit. And then you become a little bit of shade to others. And then maybe you're feeding others with the fruit. You know what I'm saying? That's what God does. And by the way, it's a process. So give yourself a break if you're not shading a ton of people right now.
0: You've been listening to Isaiah's Apocalypse, Part 2, on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 27. And if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings and more books of the Bible. Now here's Pastor Michael with the final word.
1: One of the themes that we can see in Isaiah chapter 27 is restoration. And although God does judge, he is patient, patient, patient. And finally, his judgment does come down. And when it comes, of course, its it can be harsh and bitter and difficult. You know, the Bible talks about Jesus Christ and him coming on a rescue mission. And sometimes people get confused and they say, well, is the God of the Old Testament the same as the God of the New Testament? Yes, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's interesting to think about, in the book of Revelation and other places, Jesus actually is the judge. He will judge the world in righteousness uh, on that day. And so just because Jesus came on that rescue mission the first time doesn't mean that he isn't the judge. He's also the judge. And I often like to say it's good to know the judge. (laughs) And if you know the one who died for you. You know, the judge died for you and rose for you. So trust him today. But don't be confused about Old and New Testament. The same God uh, just deals with our sin by creating a new covenant. I shouldn't say just. It's the beautiful provision of God. And to be in Christ is to be uh, free from the accusation because the judge took his judgment at the cross. Do you know him? Have you met Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Maybe you have questions about the Christian faith. Let me tell you about a conference that we're having. It's called Dare to Defend. It's an apologetics conference. That is just a way to say the historic, the defense of the historic Christian faith from archaeology, dealing with like the problem of evil and things like this. And we're going to have an incredible lineup of speakers Friday night, March 25th, Saturday, March 26th, all day. People like J.P. Moreland, Sean McDowell, Lenny Esposito, Ken Samples. Uh, We're going to have incredible breakout sessions on Saturday. DareToDefend.com is the website. DareToDefend.com. That's where you want to buy your tickets. Uh, It's being hosted by Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. Again, March 25th and 26th. There are group discounts available for students as well. And seating is limited. This is something that you're going to want to go to because it's going to bolster your faith and encourage you and give you reasons and answers for the hope that you have. Register today when you go to daretodefend.com. God bless you. This is Pastor Michael. We'll jump right back into Isaiah tomorrow and finish up chapter 27. We'll see you here.
0: Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast, provide the podcast for free, and helps us do our free apologetic events too. Please donate at walkintruth.com and click donate. Once again, you can donate at walkintruth.com, click donate, and join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 27, called Isaiah's Apocalypse. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.